Every time we gather together like this, uh, we open up the Bible and read a passage together, and then we will uh, talk through that passage this morning. So I'd invite you uh, to read uh, with me, or I will read, and if you follow along either on the screen or if you have a copy of the Bible, we're going to be reading John chapter 1, uh, verses 14 through 18 this morning. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. And from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. This is God's word for us this morning. Well, it's really good to be together with you all this morning. I want you to know if you have come in and you uh, are curious about what's going on or maybe somebody invited you, uh, we have been planning and praying and preparing for this day for over a year. Uh, We have been anticipating and expecting you here this morning. And so our prayer and our preparation has all been around uh, making sure that you feel welcome in this space. Uh, my name is John. I'm the pastor here at this church, and there's a, an awesome community of people that have rallied around this mission to renew hope in the heights in Jesus' name. That's why we exist as a church, to renew hope in the heights in Jesus' name. And this Sunday, we are launching a movement of hope in the heights. And that means this for you. Wherever you're coming from this morning, if you'd say, hey, I'm in a really good place right now. Life is just going really well for me. Things are clicking. Things are connecting. Uh, you're welcome here. And every Sunday you come in, we're going to inspire you and encourage you to find renewed hope. But if you're like most of us, uh, life has been really kind of uncertain lately. And life has been really kind of uh, feeling a little chaotic, a little out of control. The things that we anticipated and expected we would be doing right now in 2020, we're not doing. Life feels really uncertain. I want you to think back to January 1st, 2020. It seems like forever ago. And and that new year, that new decade, we were looking forward to a brand new year. Maybe you were even one of these people who went out and bought a really fancy planner. uh, Because you said, I'm going to put some plans together. I'm going to set some goals for this year. And then only a few months in, we realized that all of our planning, all of our hope for the future was kind of in question. I mean, how many of you, if you look back at January 1st, you would have been looking at September and saying, I would be looking for a job again. And how many of us looking forward this year would have anticipated that the slightest cough or sniffle would have been questioned for, do I need to quarantine? Do I need to go home? Do I need to call some people? Or how many of us have, have had to think about what school is going to look like and how we're going to juggle that plus also working? I mean, life feels really, really uncertain right now. And it's in the midst of really uncertain times that we look for hope. You see, hope is this uniquely human thing. As far as I know, my cat's, do not hope for a better world. They only hope for food that I feed them twice a day, and sometimes I forget. And so they, they don't hope for a better world, but something in our hearts, something as humans, we hope for the world to be different. We're able to imagine a different kind of world. Hope gets us up in the morning. Hope keeps us going through difficult times when life feels crazy and life feels chaotic. And when life feels really uncertain, that's where we desperately want something to hope in. And one of the hardest parts about right now is is it's really hard to put a date on the calendar a couple weeks out because you don't know what life is going to look like. But that's hope. It's looking forward and saying there's a date coming. There's something better 
coming. And for us as a church, this is why we are all about hope. When you come to us, you're going to hear about hope. You're going to experience renewed hope. Because hope is what our hearts beat for. It's what we long for. And it's really interesting. I came across this uh, statistic that people had asked people some questions in the middle of quarantine. And they found that 15% of people that they asked this question to, 15% of people found themselves praying for the first time in their lives in the middle of quarantine. The first time in their life, as far back as they can remember, they were praying, 15% of people. Maybe you're you're here this morning and say, honestly, I'm one of those people. Yeah, I never really thought about praying before. I never really uh, spent time in church or done anything like that. But but something about this moment, something about the uncertainty of my life right now, I've, I've been reaching out. I've been wondering if there's someone on the other side, someone who is listening to me, someone who is hearing, 15% of people. Maybe you're even here this morning because you're wondering if there's something there. You're wondering if there's someone out there that you can help in, someone out there who is in control when your life feels so out of control. You see, when, when life feels chaotic, when we realize how uncertain life is, we reach out. You think one of the things uh, with this quarantine is I think it's, it's showed us how uncertain life actually is. It hasn't really caused uncertainty. I think it's revealed how uncertain life is. How things that we took for granted, things that we trusted in before, actually are not as trustworthy as we thought. They can be taken away quicker than we realize. And in moments like this, we reach out and we say, is there anyone out there who's in control? Is there anyone out there who can help me get through this hard time? Maybe you find yourself kind of laying in your bed at night, looking up at the ceiling, and you're praying a prayer in your head, saying, God, if you're out there. See, I prayed that prayer when I was 14. I got super sick for a bunch of months, lost a ton of weight. I was like sleeping 16 hours a day. And I remember one night laying in my bed, looking up at my ceiling and saying, God, if you're out there, if you heal me, I'll do whatever you want. Maybe you found yourself praying a prayer like that. God, if you give me a job, I'll do whatever you want. God, if you protect me, if you heal me, I'll do whatever you want. As your hearts reach out, we have this sense that there's something out there. And so this morning, I want to talk about why our hearts reach out. Why is it that in desperate moments and uncertain times, why is it that our hearts reach out for someone I'm going to talk about that someone as God. Now, I realize you may have complicated ideas about God. You may have nuanced ideas about God. But this morning, I just want to talk about this thing that we reach out to as God. I want to talk about why it is that we hope God is out there. So i got just three simple points for this morning. First, why we hope God is out there. Why is it that our hearts reach out? Second point is this, the problem if God is out there. So what's the problem if God is actually out there? And then third, my third point is this, how we can know with confidence if God is out there, how we can know with confidence if God is out there. So first, let's talk about why it is our hearts reach out, why it, why it is we hope God is out there. You see, what we really want to know in those moments when we're praying those prayers, when we're wondering if someone is out there, what we're really looking for is three things. We're looking for someone, we're looking to know that someone out there knows us. You see, we want to know that in the grand scheme of the universe that we're not just kind of some cosmic accident, that our pain has significance, that what we're going through matters. Because it matters to us in that moment. We want to know that there's someone out there who knows what we're going through. Who knows that we exist and cares about what's going on. The second thing is that we want to know that there's someone out there who cares about us. That they know what we're going through, but they also feel for us. They feel compassion for us. 
You know, if you've ever gone through a hard time and there's a friend that you thought was a friend and they, they know what you're going through, but they don't express any care for you, you know how hard that is. You know how much that can hurt. So we want to know there's someone out there who knows us. We also want to know there's someone out there who cares about us, who can empathize with us and have compassion on us. But the third thing is this. We want to know there's someone out there who can do something about it. We want to know there's someone out there who can do something about it. When life feels really out of control, we're looking to say, is there anyone in control? Is there anyone who has uh, a, a handle on what's going on? Is there anyone who can actually act and do something for me? Because if you've ever, ever been in that spot with a friend, they're going through something really hard and you're caring for them, but you, you can't do anything for them, you feel powerless, you know how hard that is. And we want to know that there's someone out there who can do something for us. Someone out there who can act. But we're just reaching out and we're wondering. Because that's what this passage from the Bible says. It says, no one has ever seen God. No one has ever seen God. That's in the Bible. We're all just kind of reaching out. We're wondering. We're, we're hoping that someone is out there who knows us. We're hoping that someone out there cares about us. We're hoping that someone out there can do something about it. We're, we're, but we're just reaching out and kind of guessing. No one has ever seen God. But there's a problem if God is out there. My second point is this. The problem if God is out there. You see, if you're reaching out, I want you to imagine what would happen if you got an answer. So let's say you're laying in your bed at night. You're praying that prayer. God, if you're out there, uh, would you do something? And you hear a voice that says, okay. That would be freaky. That would, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, your universe would blow up. Right? If you knew for certain that God was on the other side, that God was answering you. Right? Maybe you hear a voice, or maybe you, you get the chills, or maybe you see a sign, and, and you know for a fact that God is out there. So you'd immediately have two problems. Two problems if God is out there. The first is this. You'd have to deal with someone who's more powerful than you. You'd have to deal with someone who's more powerful than you. Because a God who can hear your prayer wherever you are, right? like we all laughed, that was, that's creepy. But a God who can hear your prayer wherever you are, whatever language you're speaking it in, that's a God who's more powerful than you. And, and automatically you'd have to then deal with, okay, there's someone there. There's someone who, who can hear me. There's someone who can maybe do something about it. That person is more powerful than me. And that's a really uncomfortable thought. You see, I think this is why uh, we hear, sometimes you'll hear people say, well, I'm looking to the universe, the universe is going to show me a sign, or universe take care of me, or universe direct me in some kind of way. Or even you'll hear people say, and maybe this is you, I've, I've got a higher power. And so I, I'm trusting in my higher power, or I'm looking to my higher power to help me. You see, those ideas are kind of comforting, but they're also a little too convenient. It's a little too convenient, because how do you know when the universe is directing you and not just kind of, uh, it's a coincidence? Right? And, and the universe can't really care about you. can't really know you. And the higher power is just kind of too vague. It's kind of there when I need it, but then I can kind of ignore it or avoid it when I don't want to deal with something more powerful than me. You see, this is the problem if we knew God was out there. We'd have to deal with someone more powerful than us. And I think that's why we like the idea of looking to the universe. Or we like the idea of a higher power, but we don't like the idea of a God that I can know. Because we'd have to deal with him. But there's a second problem that arises with this as well. Is how do you know you've prayed to the right God? How do you know you've prayed to the right God? Right? Other religions have ideas that there are lots of gods. So how do you know that the God who answered your prayer is the right God or the God that you want to talk to? I mean, what if the God that answers your prayer is a God more like Thanos from the Avengers? Right? I'm a huge Marvel nerd. So after this, if you want to talk Marvel Cinematic Universe, we can talk even last night, Kelly and I, my wife, we were watching a Marvel movie. Right? And Thanos is this really complicated bad guy. He's got godlike powers. 
but he also has two daughters. And sometimes he's really caring towards his daughters. Sometimes he, he expresses concern and compassion to them, but other times he's manipulating them. He's just kind of toying with them. And if you look at the character of, of Thanos, you find that at his heart is really chaos and destruction. He wants to bring death. What if that's the God who answers your prayers and you don't know it? See, how do you know you found the right God? There would be something even worse than finding that you accidentally prayed to Thanos, and that would be this. Knowing that God hears you, and yet finding that God doesn't care about you. Finding that that God doesn't care about you. So you pray a prayer, and it's kind of like God sends you to voicemail. Where he says, take a number. Right, where you're, you're, what you're going through, the uncertainty that you're feeling is real and it's, it's concerning, it's stressing you out. You reach out and say, God, if you're out there, would you, would you do something? And instead, God says, hey, I'm a little too busy over here with the Pope answering his prayers. I'll get to you when I have time. Take a number. I mean, that would be devastating to know that God is out there, to know that he hears what you're going through, and yet to feel like he sent you to voicemail. And my guess is this morning, we could go around and we could tell stories of people who have unanswered prayer, and that's what it felt like. Where you were going through something really hard, and you even found yourself praying, maybe for the first time, or maybe for the first time in a long time, you were praying, God, would you do something? And it felt like God sent you to voicemail, and he didn't answer your prayers. And maybe some of you would say, that's the moment that I gave up on God. It's the moment that I gave up on church. It's the moment that I gave up on religion is when it felt like God left me. I want to tell you I've been in a spot like that. You know, a few months after my wife and I got married, my father-in-law was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And for six months, we prayed at his bedside. It's like, God, would you heal him? Would you fix him? Would you deal with this? We believe in you. We know who you are. We trust that you can do this. We prayed and we prayed and we prayed all the way up until March 2nd when he passed. And I've been in a spot like that, and maybe you've been in before, where it feels like the floor falls out from underneath you. You're just wondering, God, where were you? And some of you, a moment like that caused you to say, I don't want anything to do with God. I don't want anything to do with prayer. I don't believe that that God is out there. But what if we knew that he was? What if he knew that he was, no matter what you were going through, no matter how hard your life seemed, no matter whether your prayers got answered or not, what if you could know with confidence that God was out there? That you could know that he hears what you're going through. Not only that he knows that you're there, but you knew that he cared about you. And you knew not just that he could do something about it, but that he is doing something about it. What if you could know that for certain? See, my third point is this. How can I know with confidence that God is out there, no matter what I'm going through? You see, a God who is powerful enough to hear your prayer wherever you are, a God who is powerful enough to act, to do something about it. That's also a God that doesn't have to show up in your life. He could hide from you. He could be off somewhere else. He doesn't have to show up. He would be smarter than you. He would be stronger than you. He would be doing other things. The only way you can know with confidence is that God is real, that he's there, that he cares for you, is if he reveals himself to you. Is if he chooses to show you what he's like. If he chooses to tell you what he's like. He chooses to act. And that's what this passage is saying, that no one has ever seen God. We've all just been reaching out. Our hearts have been reaching out, wondering if God is out there. But then it says, but God has chosen to reveal himself to us in Jesus. 
that when Jesus steps into the world, when Jesus shows up, he is revealing God in his own words. He is revealing God in his own person, that Jesus is the one who shows us what God is like, which means that we don't have to guess anymore. We don't have to reach out and wonder what God is like. We don't have to reach out and wonder if he's there. We have proof. We have knowledge that God is there, and he's there for us in Jesus. And he's there for us in three ways. These are three ways that Jesus shows us who God is. The first is this. Jesus shows us who God is in person. See, this passage says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Or or another version of that says the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. You see, when Jesus showed up, he didn't show up as an ideology. He didn't show up as a a wind that just kind of gives you the chills. He showed up as a baby. And then he lived a normal human life like you and I live. He worked a normal guy job like you and I work. If you wanted to know what God was doing, all you had to do was walk down the street and knock on the door and talk to him. You see, you could know with confidence that, that this is who God is because you could know him personally. Jesus showed up in person. You see, this is why for us as a church, we are centered on Jesus. Because what Jesus says is what God is saying. What Jesus does is what God is doing. So if we want to know what God wants, if we want to know what God is doing, if we want to know the things that he has for us, we look at what Jesus is doing. And that also means that we can know him personally. We can know him as a person, not as an idea. See, some of you here this morning, you have a secondhand knowledge of Jesus. A secondhand knowledge of Jesus. What I mean by that is this. I'll give you an example. So before my wife and I were dating, I had a secondhand knowledge of Kelly. And I could ask her friends uh, who she was. And I could get some facts. I could get some insight from her friends. I could stalk her on Facebook, which I did. And I could find out, okay, here's what she does, and here's the things that she's interested in, and here's the things that she's passionate about. I could get facts about her. I had secondhand knowledge of Kelly. But when I took a step and I asked her on a date, now I'm getting firsthand knowledge of Kelly. Now I'm hearing from her mouth the things that matter most to her. I'm hearing from her the things that are most important to her heart, the things that she wants uh, in life, thing that, the things that she wants to share with me. I now have firsthand knowledge of Jesus. Or sorry, firsthand knowledge of Kelly. My wife's not Jesus. She's great, though. That's what, that's what firsthand knowledge of Jesus is like, though. Hearing about him in his own words. Looking at him in the stories that are told about him, knowing who he is firsthand. See, secondhand knowledge of Jesus is, is knowledge that you have from, from maybe your parents or your aunt growing up. You say, you need to look at Jesus. And you just kind of watch them. Or from going to church growing up, you have secondhand knowledge of Jesus. Maybe things that you've read online or podcasts or books that you've uh, listened to or read. You have secondhand knowledge of Jesus. We want to invite you into a firsthand knowledge of Jesus. Looking at him in his own words. See, that starting this Sunday and for the next several weeks, we're going to be walking through a series that we're calling Hope Has a Name. And what we mean by that is this. The, the hope that we're reaching out for is found in Jesus. And we're going to look at him in his own words. And the, the, the things that he did, the things that he said. And we're going to find that this is the hope that we've always longed for. This is the hope that we reach out for when life feels uncertain, is Jesus. He reveals himself to us personally. And then if you look at it, he also reveals himself full of grace. He's full of grace. And grace means this. You don't have to earn a single thing. 
You don't have to earn a single thing. So when I'm praying that desperate prayer, saying, God, I'll do whatever you want as long as you pay attention to me. What I'm saying is, God, I assume I have to earn your attention. But grace says that it's already been paid for. It's already been taken care of. That means that whatever is in your past, whatever's in your present that you think God is going to be concerned about, that he's going to say, I can't listen to you until you deal with that, it's already been taken care of by Jesus. Which means that when we approach God, we experience grace. Which means I don't have to earn a single thing. But then he also reveals himself full of truth. Which means that he has some things that he's going to tell us about life. He's smarter than us. He, he created us. He knows why we're here. And so he's going to tell us some things about life that we need to know. Some things that we need to know that are true about ourselves. And true about life so that we can live life as he intends us to live. And so if you're here and you'd say, I'm not sure I'm a Christian. Maybe you even say, I, I'm one of those people that I grew up Christian, but I gave up after a prayer went unanswered. I want to invite you to bring your questions, to bring your uncertainties. And we're going to look at Jesus and see, how is Jesus the hope that we were always longing for? And that's what hope has a name means, and that's what we're going to be walking through together in the weeks to come. Your questions are welcome here. I'm a big believer that, that there's no bad question. Because questions help us find the truth. But if you're here and say this morning, I am a Christian. I, I, I have trusted in Jesus. I am following him. I'm trying to find him as my hope. You see, this is why as a church we are so committed to this neighborhood. Because we believe that when Jesus showed up, he showed up in the neighborhood. He moved into the neighborhood. He lived a normal life around people. And so following Jesus for us means it's not just about an hour on Sunday. It's about every other day of the week. Just like people would walk down the street and knock on the door and interact with Jesus, we want people to be able to walk down the street and interact with us and hear about who Jesus is and hear about what he's doing in our life and, and tell the story of how he is making us new. That's why when we say hope in the heights, we, both, we mean both we want to invite you to experience the hope of Jesus, but we also want you to hope in the heights, to hope in this neighborhood and to invest in it so that other people can start to see what it looks like to follow Jesus, because he is the one that our hearts are reaching out for. And what we find in Jesus is that God is reaching back, and he is ready to meet you and to invite you into renewed hope in Jesus. And that's why we're here as a church. I want to invite you into this journey, this movement of hope that we start this Sunday. So let's reach out to Jesus as I pray for us now. God, I thank you that you don't leave us just wondering if you're out there. You don't leave us questioning, uncertain, that as our hearts are reaching out, wondering if you're out there, that you reach back in Jesus. And we can know who you are personally. We can know who you are full of grace. We can know who you are full of truth. So God, for the one who's here this morning who said, man, I'm, I'm not even sure about this space. This is a big step for me to step in here. I pray that you would invite them into hope. They would experience renewed hope this morning, even maybe the question that maybe you're out there. God, for those of us who are joining this movement of Hope in the Heights, would our trust be in you? Would you move through our hearts and our lives as we show up on the street, as we show up on our blocks, as we show up uh, in the park and in the PTA and everywhere, that, that people would encounter you as they encounter us, that we might see renewed hope in the heights in your name. I pray all this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Well, every Sunday when we gather, uh, we practice communion.
Now, communion is this uh, practice that Jesus gave us. The last night before he was about to go to the cross, he gathered with his disciples and said, do this in remembrance of me. He took a piece of bread and he broke it and he passed it around and said, take this, eat this. And he took a cup and he, he passed it around and said, drink this in remembrance of me. It represents how Jesus is our hope. He's our hope by giving up his life for us. And so as we take this, it's, it's identifying with the way of Jesus. It's saying, I am in with Jesus. I am following him on his mission. He is making me new. So that means for you this morning, if you're here and you'd honestly say, I'm not a Christian or I'm, I'm just not sure where I'm at right now, I would invite you to sit back and, and to not participate in this. But this is for those who have said, I'm following Jesus. I identify with him. And, and when you are ready for that, however long that takes, however, however many questions it takes for you to figure that out, we're going to celebrate with you when you're ready to take that. But for those of us who are here who say, I identify as Christian, identify as being made new by Jesus, we take this to identify with him and to remind ourselves of his mission to show up in person full of grace and truth. And so the way that this will work, the band is going to uh, start to lead us through a song, but if you would come through the center aisles and kind of observe some social distancing as you do, uh, take uh, a few elements for whoever is participating with you and your family group, take those back to your seat, and whenever you're ready, as the music is playing, if you want to take a moment and pray, if you want to take a moment and reflect, uh, but take that uh, as an act of remembrance and identification with who Jesus is. We're going to do this together, and then we're going to worship the name of Jesus together. Thank you.